Just when you think President Biden has reached rock bottom, a trap door seems to open up in the rock and send him careening even further down. Biden's approval rating has officially reached the lowest point of his presidency. It's a dismal 30%. And his disapproval rating is all the way up at 58%. Biden is underwater in 48 states, including California, New York, even his home state of Delaware. The only two states in which Biden is even treading water are Hawaii and Vermont. And even there, the numbers are pretty weak. In addition to being underwater in general throughout almost the entire country, Biden is also underwater on virtually every issue. He's got a net negative approval rating on race, guns, the environment, crime, Ukraine, and abortion. The only issue that he's even slightly above water on is COVID. So expect another round of that to drop any day now. And even there, even on COVID, he's only net positive by two points. But most people don't vote on COVID. Most people don't vote on abortion. Most people don't vote on Ukraine. Most people vote on issues that are more tangible and more visible, such as the economy. And even CNN, even lib state media is admitting that the economy is in shambles. Where do we stand right now with inflation? Well, I think for a lot of Americans, their reality is being shaped by the really high inflation. Let's take a look at CPI, consumer inflation. You'd have to go back to the early 80s to see the type of levels we're seeing. The last CPI report came in at about 8.6%. Of course, we know under the hood of that number, it's really high energy prices, really high food prices. Uh, the cost of new and used cars have gone up. Pretty much everything broad-based has gone up. The cost of shelter has gone up, which has some economists really concerned. So I think if you are an American at home, it's really hard, perhaps understandably, to feel great about the economy right now, even though there are some silver linings when you're getting hit so hard with inflation. Even personally, Anna, you know, I talk to economists and traders and analysts every day about this. And sometimes I find myself shocked when I go to the grocery store and look at prices and think, wow, this costs this now? And so it's, it's understandable. Even the Chiron on the screen, it says 88% say U.S. is on the wrong track. That's CNN. CNN is changing its tune because no matter how left-wing the people who run the network are, they want to make money and hold on to the handful of viewers that they have left. They don't want to go down with Joe Biden, who despite consistent failure, refuses to change course. There's a line from Ronald Reagan that is overused, but it's apt here in the face of such stubborn, intractable failure from the White House. A recession is when your neighbor loses his job. A depression is when you lose your job, and recovery is when Joe Biden loses his job. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Pathfinder, who says, watching libs fight with each other is like watching Biden on stairs. One, you know you're in for a show. Two, it's never their fault. Three, nothing will make sense. That's very mean. That's very mean and evocative and accurate and precise. That's the way it goes. Lest anyone accuse us of being too tough on Mr. Biden today, I've invited on my friend, a true, a card-carrying Democrat, Ethan Behrman, very well-known Democrat lawyer. You've seen him on Fox News and lots of TV shows. Ethan, thank you for coming on. 
Michael, look, it's uh, if we weren't friends, I wouldn't be here, but here we are. And um, I always appreciate you inviting me on. I, I mean that. So it's, it's good to see you today, and I'm, I'm glad you're doing well. Well, th- thank you for coming on. I, th- this is not even a debate. This one, sometimes we do these debate kind of segments. This is not even a debate. This is me in all sincerity, in all sweet little innocence. One, is there still an argument that Democrats can be making for Joe Biden, whether we're talking about Joe Biden as the nominee in 2024, whether we're talking about Joe Biden campaigning for Dems in 2022, whether we're talking about the job Joe Biden is doing? Is there an argument that, that Democrats can still be making for Joe Biden? And if there is, what is it? Yeah, I mean, I appreciate you asking the question. And I think that there's a very strong one. First, if you ignore the endless 24-hour drumbeat since the day he was elected from right-wing media, which only speaks negatively of him, let's be clear, he passed the infrastructure bill, $1.2 trillion, got that done that the previous president kept talking about for four years. Joe Biden got that done. He got the Burn Pit Act passed. He actually takes care of our military veterans, the largest expansion of VA benefits in over a generation. We have the lowest unemployment rate. So if you're gonna use that Reagan quote, people aren't losing their jobs right now for the most part. Of course, there's always limited segments of the economy losing their jobs. 3.6% unemployment rate lower than the previous president's lowest unemployment rate. Let's add a really huge one into that as well. We had Russia invade an independent, sovereign nation who is an ally we signed a 1994 treaty with called Ukraine. And Biden pulled together the largest coalition in the West since World War II to defend in Europe, to defend against this invasion, to send arms, to train, to send aid. We have been helping our Ukrainian friends. I don't even think we've been helping enough but that's my own personal opinion. Yeah, there are huge things in Biden's favor. By the way, you missed one key poll in your citation there, Mr. Knowles. <laughs> Which um, poll is that? There was just a poll done head to head, Joe Biden against Ron DeSantis, Joe Biden against Donald Trump, Gavin Newsom, who I know you particularly <laughs> love to pick on. Newsom again. Yeah. DeSantis and Trump, and they both beat Trump and DeSantis. Hmm. So despite the approval rating polls, despite the issues polls, you're saying, look, once they go up against these Republicans, especially that dirty, rotten Trump, but DeSantis also, though there have been polls like that New Hampshire poll that came out a couple of weeks ago that puts DeSantis ahead of Joe Biden. But you say, look, you go up against the real Republicans, the Democrats are going to win. I must push back a little bit on Ukraine. Let's not forget that uh, Mr. Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, did say that the immediate cause of the war in Ukraine was the easing of sanctions, Western, specifically American sanctions, against Russia and the green lighting of the Nord Stream 2 oil pipeline. Those are Zelensky's words, not mine. That was something that Joe Biden did. He then not only figuratively or uh, sort of uh, in a modest, indirect way invited Putin to invade Ukraine. But then when he was asked, will you react if Putin invades Ukraine? He said that if it were only a minor incursion, (laughs) he wouldn't do very much, uh, which seems to me to be a direct invitation. Regardless of all that, uh, yes, Biden now is uh, governing after the coronavirus lockdowns, though he did push for some more restrictive measures. He's still, they're reopening the economy. Uh, unemployment is low, sure. But sh- surely you have to admit, Ethan, the economy 
it's not, it's not going well. We've got record high inflation. We've got uh, record high gas prices, record high food prices. It's not going well, right? So the, the economy is exceptionally complex. So if we want to discuss certain key data points, look, I was the one that went on Fox News last summer as a Democrat and said Biden is wrong and his administration, I should say, was wrong to say that inflation was just transitory and it didn't really mean much. So I absolutely agree that inflation is a very serious, direct issue to individual Americans and to the economy as a whole. There is absolutely no denying that. And anybody who does, I believe, is either just a pure partisan hack or a liar. Um, And so I never uh, will espouse that statement. So I agree with you that the inflation is. But however, somebody who works with businesses across many sectors as I have. I also worked in the supply chain during the epidemic, trying to get products from China as an attorney helping people. And I'm gonna just tell you something, the pandemic dramatically, and right now China still has lockdowns going on. And if the overwhelming majority of our products are still coming from China, by the way, manufacturing facility construction under Joe Biden in the United States is up 116%. So that's another victory for Joe Biden that you haven't mentioned. We're bringing manufacturing back under Joe Biden. The carrot and stick approach has worked and it was Trump who put the tariffs on Chinese products which directly are paid for by the US consumer. So the pandemic altered the global supply chain The UK has higher inflation. Countries around the world have higher inflation. Canada has higher inflation than the United States right now. It's not a Joe Biden issue. It's a global issue. And Joe Biden has done things to help the supply chain in the United States by incentivizing manufacturing companies. As I just mentioned, manufacturing is up in the United States. He's helped the ports here on the West Coast to move the products through faster. He did that last summer here at the port of Long Beach and Port of Los Angeles in particular, uh, which are the major gateways for, for the East Asian products of which Americans continue to buy. So from that perspective, Joe Biden has actually done a very good job. The but, reality but Ethan, is you- inflation and corporate profits are at record highs. Remember, corporate profits, according to the Wall Street Journal, not a left-leaning publication, are the, the highest they have been since the early 1960s. So surely... Ethan, you would have to admit when we're talking about inflation, you can't have that conversation without energy prices. It would seem pretty clear to me Joe Biden has opposed the expansion of the most uh, reliable sources of American energy. He shut down the oil pipelines. He shut down new oil and gas leases in the United States. Are you saying there's, n- there's no effect here? Are you saying that had, had Biden not had a more open energy policy and instead of greenlighting pipelines for Russia, he greenlit some pipelines in the United States? Instead of shaking down Iran for oil, he produced oil in the United States. You don't think that would have any effect? I guess we're out of time, but I, on that point, I, I, I would ask this additional question, which is, If everything's going so well for Joe Biden, why are Democrats looking so bad, historically bad, in the generic midterm polls? Why why are the Republicans looking at picking up potentially 40 to 60 seats in the House, according to not just the right-wing polls, but the left-wing polls as well? If things are going so well for Biden, why do the people seem to be looking to Republicans in 2022? Well, midterms, first term midterms are historically bad. They were for Trump as well after holding all three 
uh, houses in the or two houses in the executive branch. That is a common problem. And again, if we get a 24-hour drumbeat uh, from most outlets, including social media, remember our top posts on Facebook are right-wing posts from your pal in particular here at the Daily Wire. Sure. I mean, well, look, um, we do, but I, I have to correct this a little bit. I mean, you're you're right. We right. do extremely well on social media, especially on Facebook. But we are, when you're talking about the Daily Wire or Dan Bongino or a couple of other people, compared to ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC, the New York Times, Washington Post, it's not even close. The vast, vast majority of social media posts that get traction are left-wing. There, there are just more of those outlets. So, I mean, if, if your argument, Ethan, is that the media is overwhelmingly or even, even close to right-wing, that seems like a difficult argument to make. It's not. And if you and you actually you made a statement earlier that said that the, the heads at CNN are so liberal. I actually disagree with you. Um, and I don't believe that that is an accurate statement anymore. That might have been an accurate statement a few years ago. I don't believe it is anymore um, based on my own knowledge and experience. So we can have that argument separately. And I Thank you for inviting me on, Michael. I, I really do appreciate it. And I love that we have this conversation. Ethan, so, you you have made yeah. the strongest argument for Joe Biden that I have heard. Truly, you have. I think you've laid out all of the, doesn't exactly persuade me, but I do, I, I very much appreciate, <laughs> appreciate you coming on and making it. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, Michael. All right. Thank you, Ethan. You know, when you want to protect your nest egg in this economy, one great place to look would be Birch Gold. Right now, text Knowles to 989898. I was wrong about the path inflation would take. I was not wrong. I was totally right. But our Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, was wrong, and she admitted it. That's a quote from her. She said, there have been unanticipated and large shocks to the economy that have boosted energy and food prices and supply bottlenecks that have affected our economy badly that at the time I didn't fully understand. Didn't fully understand. There you have it. Straight from the horse's mouth. Didn't fully understand. Now, I know that right now you're probably worried about affording basic necessities in the months to come, food, gas, shelter. But hey, she didn't know. Oopsie daisy, not her fault, right? Goes without saying, we cannot trust these so-called authorities on economic policy, which is why you should invest at least some of your money in gold and silver with Birch Gold Group. These are the guys that I trust. You can protect your savings from a highly turbulent economy by diversifying your 401k or IRA into physical gold. Text Knowles right now, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, to 989898. Get real advice from Birch Gold today. Text Knowles to 989898 to claim your free, no obligation info kit on protecting your savings with gold. Speaking of world leaders not doing well right now, I, I truly, I think Ethan made the strongest arguments you possibly can for Joe Biden. I don't think they're all that strong, but uh, Ethan did a very good job of it. I don't think they're going to work very well in the midterms, which are often bad for the incumbent party in the White House, but right now are, if you look at the polls, are historically bad for the Democrats. Uh, but but they're, making, they're making the best argument they can, and they don't really have a lot of backups for 2024 because Kamala's unpopular, Pete Buttigieg is unpopular, Liz Warren is extremely unpopular, Lyle Watha. And so uh, it would be... Uh, It'd be difficult to throw Biden under the bus because there's, there are very few people left. I, I do want to point out on this show yesterday, I didn't even mean to do this. I think I may have killed Boris Johnson's political career yesterday. Boris Johnson, the prime minister of the UK, you'll remember, I, I analyzed 
a clip of him yesterday, and I said, this guy, he's squishing. He's supposed to be the conservative, but he's adopting all of the liberal language. It's so sad. The man had so much promise, and he, he, he was a strong conservative at first, and then he totally squished. Well, hand me my Nostradamus hat, Nostradamus hat, hand me my crystal ball, because it, the news just broke. Boris Johnson has said he will step down. It's, it's very sad. The man had so much promise. He was so funny and right-wing, and, but he squished. And when you squish, you lose. It's almost inevitable. It's not even that I could predict the future. I just saw what was happening in real time. A real lesson here for American conservatives. Do not squish. Do not try to suck up to the left-wing media. They are always going to hate you. You want to see the, you want to see the, the real proof of this right now is that the left-wing media are going after not just Donald Trump, but they're going after Ron DeSantis too. Here's a, here's a piece from the Washington Post. DeSantis is smarter than Trump. That may make him more of a threat. This is by Max Boot, who's a guy who, he kind of came to some mod- modest prominence during the Trump years, and he pretended to be this Republican who's turned on the Republican Party because of Donald Trump, and now he's, now all he does is support Democrats. And I said at the time, during all those debates over never Trump and should Republicans support Trump as the nominee, the never Trumpers said, well, this is unique. This is a unique threat to America. We can't support Trump. He's especially bad. And they, maybe they were sincere, but they bought into a lot of left-wing propaganda. And I said, don't believe it, guys. Yes, the line from the left right now is that Trump, he's totally different. He's unlike all other Republicans. We can't support Trump. It's okay to be a Republican, but you can't support Trump. But I said, they, they do this every time. They do this to every Republican candidate. They're going to do it to the next Republican. We're going to say, oh, you know, Bush. Look, I didn't like Bush, but Bush was great compared to Trump. Trump, there's no argument. Any principled person can't support Trump. I said, they're going to do it to the next one. To the next one, they're going to say, well, Trump was bad and I don't support Trump, but you, I could understand voting for Trump, but you can't possibly vote for DeSantis or whoever the next Republican is going to be. They do, they do this every single time. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with my very well-meaning, very lovable left-wing friends and relatives. And they'll come to me. They'll concern troll me. They'll come to me on a mission of mercy. They'll say, Michael, Michael, listen, you know, I love you, Michael. I love you. And look, I know you're a Republican. I'm not a Republican. Okay. I'm no Republican here, but there are Republicans. And then there's this guy. Look, I actually, I have some respect for some Republicans. I respect people like George H.W. Bush. Gosh, I even, I didn't like him, but I, frankly, I'd even sort of have some respect for George W. Bush compared to Trump. This guy, he's dangerous. He's dangerous. You can't, any principled, serious man with integrity, even if you're a Republican, I totally respect Republicans, you can't vote for Trump. That's what they say. And they say it every single year. The formula is, look, I'm not a Republican, but I respect, insert, dead or dying Republican. (laughs) Insert, I respect Republican who is no longer a political threat, who hasn't been in the news for 20 years. Okay. And I could frankly even understand voting for, insert the last Republican, who they all called Hitler when he was running, but now, he, now he's gone, so they don't call him Hitler anymore. I could understand voting for him, but you, you simply cannot support, insert current Republican. They do it to all of them. They did it to Reagan. They called Reagan a Nazi and a white supremacist and a Klansman and all the same stuff they called Trump. And then Reagan left office. 
And then they softened a little bit. They, w- they went after Bush. Then they, because Bush ended up losing, Bush the first, they ended up softening on Bush a little more quickly. Then they go after George W. Bush. Remember, George W. Bush was Hitler. But then John McCain was the nominee. Then John McCain was Hitler compared to Bush. And then Mitt Romney was the nominee. And Mitt Romney, oh, he beat up gay kids. He's Hitler. He's a Nazi. He's worse. Th- he's actually worse than Bush. And then Mitt Romney goes away. And now he, he simps for the Democrats. And so now Romney's good. And then now it was Trump. He's the unique threat. And then it gets to DeSantis. They're going to do it every single time. You need to stop falling for that. You need to stop falling for that. You need to just support, <laughs> you need to support the most conservative, viable candidate that you possibly can, because it's not real. If they're going to do it to DeSantis, who is theoretically everything they should respect, he went to Ivy League schools. He's got a personal life that seems cleaner than most politicians. I, I don't, you don't hear it of any big scandals coming out of Ron DeSantis. He is a serious policy wonk. He doesn't throw bombs on Twitter. He, he's just a, he's an effective, good governor. <laughs> if they're going to go after him, they'll go after anybody. So just stop buying it, folks. It's so, they do it every single time. They call Larry Elder when he's running as the Republican candidate for governor of California. They call him the black face of white supremacy. <laughs> okay, they do it. They do it to everyone. You don't need to believe this stuff, Okay. They're, they're going to ratchet this up because despite Ethan's best efforts to uh, say that Joe Biden could po- very possibly win running on the infrastructure bill or whatever, it's, it's probably not going to be the biggest motivating factor. What's going to motivate people at the polls is record inflation and the economy and the crime, the fact that our cities are in shambles, the fact that Biden is underwater on virtually every single issue. And so the only option that the Democrats are going to have is to go negative. They have to go negative because there is very little, there's really nothing positive that they can point to from their own guy. So they're going to go negative. Don't squish. Don't throw your own guy under the bus. It's a trap. I'm like Admiral Ackbar. It's a trap. Don't fall for it. Biden right now has managed to blame everybody. Biden has, he's he says, the economy, it's Putin's fault. No, no, the economy, it's Trump's fault. No, no, the economy is this guy's fault, that guy's fault. Now, Joe Biden is blaming Republicans for obstructing his wonderful, super-duper popular agenda. Not over. You have enough money to pay for everything you need. Well, Republicans do nothing to obstruct our efforts to lower your gas taxes. I propose that. I've asked the Congress to eliminate the federal gas tax for the next, as long as this crisis goes on. Lower food prices, lower health care costs. Hopefully soon, lower your prescription drug costs. By the way, you got a, you got a Republican leader in the United States Senate. I was able to work out something with Intel. Okay, so Biden is very upset because the Republicans won't pass his gas tax cut in the Congress. Because the Republicans control the Congress, right? Oh, wait, no, they don't. Joe Biden has unified government. Joe Biden has completely unified government. He has the House of Representatives. He has the Senate. He could pass these things if they were, if they were popular among Democrats, if he weren't cramming them in to a bunch of other stupid legislation that has nothing to do with getting rid of, with with lowering the gas tax. Do you really think that Republicans would oppose lowering the gas tax? No. Some Democrats might oppose lowering the gas tax, but the Republicans won't. You can't blame the Republicans for this kind of obstruction when you've got unified government, man. 
It, you can't do it. it. It's much more plausible for Joe Biden to blame Putin for all of his problems. And that's ridiculous too. You just, but they're, they're running out of options. So you're going to see this campaign get way, way more negative. The New York Times has a piece out right now on a Congress, Congressman Myra Flores. She is a Latina Republican from Texas. She's actually from Mexico. I think she's the first Mexican born lady to serve in, in the Congress. Uh, she was the first Republican to represent her district in about a bazillion years. And so of course the libs are really going after her. They say it's the rise of the far right Latina, very far right Latina. What makes her far right? I don't know. I can't find very much that makes her all that far right. She's a conservative. She's not some fringe person. They, they haven't managed to call her a Klansman or anything or, or to call her a neo-Nazi quite yet, though I'm sure they're trying to. But she's just a, she's a regular Republican conservative who is a conservative and is not a big squish. They, they try to tie her in with all sorts of kooky things on the internet. They said that she has posted about QAnon. They said, when asked about QAnon, Ms. Flores denied ever having supported the conspiracy theory, which claims that a group of Satan-worshipping elites who run a child sex ring is trying to control the government and the media. Where would she ever get a crazy idea like that, you know? Where would she? It would be so hard to get a crazy idea like that because all of Jeffrey Epstein's black books are under lock and key by the government's. <laughs> All the ones that talk about the most powerful people in the world going and having sex with children on his James Bond villain private island. Yeah, it's so weird. I don't know where she would have gotten an idea like that, but she doesn't even support that idea. She doesn't even support that. So she's, she is going to be the far right extreme. She's Hitler and DeSantis is Hitler and Trump was Hitler and everybody's Hitler. Everybody, they're the grave threat to our sacred democracy except for BLM when they burn the country down, that's totally fine, except for Antifa, except for Chuck Schumer when he says, we're coming for you, Kavanaugh, and then someone goes and tries to assassinate him. And yeah, except for, that's, that's not a threat to our sacred democracy. What the, what the conservatives are doing, that is. That is all of this to say. All of this to say. Fortune favors the bold. It ties right back in with the Boris Johnson point. Fortune favors the bold here. I'm not saying you got to be reckless. I'm not saying you need to be some eccentric, total kook or crank. But right now, the Democrats are underwater on everything. Democrat policies are failing. Ordinary Americans, not just Republicans, but people in the middle, old school liberals, people who are not very political, are disgusted by what the Democrats are doing. They are supporting abortion up until the moment of birth, sometimes after birth. They support transing little kids and taking them to drag bars and strip clubs. They are destroying the value of your dollar. They're making it very difficult to fill up your gas tank and feed your family. They've led, they, they have allowed the first major war in Europe since World War II to take place. They've allowed a flood of record numbers of illegal aliens. The list goes on and on and on. If you want to win what do you think is going to be a more successful strategy? Pointing out that everything they touch turns to ash, and you're going to offer a clear alternative, a choice, not an echo, and you're going to run on that. Or trying to be a really nice guy and say, Joe, Joe Biden's actually not that bad. He's actually a genuinely good man. That's what Mitt Romney said the other day, the squish extraordinaire. Mitt Romney said, you know, look, Trump, he's really bad. He wrote an essay on July 4th in The Atlantic, liberal essay in a liberal publication 
on July 4, on the 4th of July, by a nominally Republican senator saying that Trump is evil and Joe Biden's a genuinely good man. I don't think Joe Biden's a genuinely good man. I think he's a nasty, nasty fellow. I, I think you can see the marks of his awful character anywhere you look, up to and including most recently, the fact that he refuses to acknowledge one of his own grandchildren who's living under, under threats at the moment. He won't even acknowledge who she is. But, but there's so many other knocks on the man's personal character. And he says, no, he's a genuinely good man. It's not true. And second of all, do you really think in a year where the Democrats are so extremely unpopular, you're going to win by saying, actually, those people who are screwing up your lives, they're not so bad. We should, we should kind of meet in the middle, don't you think? Don't you think? I don't think so. I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think it's going to work. Is really, really bad stuff coming out of the Democrat Party right now, especially the New York Times mentions the uh, Satan-worshipping pedophile ring. The pedo stuff has gotten, it, it's, it's become undeniable from the left. Washington State right now, Washington State school board director is offering sex ed classes at her sex shop. A director of the school board owns a sex shop and she's offering sex ed classes, not just on the birds and the bees and how babies are made, but on sexual pleasure, on pleasuring yourself to nine-year-olds, to nine-year-olds. Her name is Jen Mason. She was the former school board president. She's a sex educator and owner of Wink Wink in Bellingham. She is offering at her identity-inclusive sex shop classes for kids as young as nine that deal with, quote, sexual anatomy for pleasure and reproduction, and quote, safer sex practices for all kinds of sexual activities. This after in the same town uh, last year in a first grade class, a teacher decided to teach her six-year-old students about the values of transgenderism and read the book, I Am Jazz, which is a book about a two-year-old transgender baby, a baby two years old who's a boy who identifies as a girl. It's, it's not even just in Portland or San Francisco or Los Angeles or Greenwich Village or anything like that. Even in ostensibly conservative places, you are seeing the left push a deviant, radical, pedophilic, call it what it is, pedo sexual agenda. You're even seeing this kind of stuff in Nashville, which we'll get to in one second. First though, in the last week, the left tried to cancel both the 4th of July and our newest Daily Wire Plus team member, Jordan Peterson. On both fronts, they failed harder than Joe Biden on a bicycle. That's not nice. Who writes this copy? That's not nice. Because no matter how much Twitter blue checks complain, Independence Day, burgers, and fireworks, they're not going anywhere. And neither is Jordan Peterson. Nowhere. He's not going anywhere, baby. His new series, Dragons, Monsters, and Men, is out right now, exclusively on Daily Wire Plus. It's being met with rave reviews. It is Jordan like you've never seen him before. Take a look. One of the things I tell young men, well, and young women as well, but the young men really need to hear this more, I think. You should be a monster, an absolute monster, and then you should learn how to control it. So a man who's capable of aggression, but has it under control, is a way more useful man than one who cannot do that. And so you're willing to go get a job, but you're terrified of an interview. It's like, there's a dragon for you. Because you want to fight the dragons that guard the gates of the treasure that you wish to attain. Productivity requires aim, orientation, responsibility, discipline, that willingness to work, that willingness to make sacrifices, which is the hallmark of maturity in the service of a higher goal. 
It orients you solidly in the world if you do that, and it gives you a dragon to fight. What do you want to grow up? You want to be illiterate? You want to be inarticulate? You're going to have to negotiate. You're going to have to lead. You're going to have to convince. You're going to have to think to say to an 18-year-old, you're okay the way you are. That just deflates them. You know, when you go to the gym and you start lifting weights, well, your body's going to transform, but it's not going to do that if you just sit around. You have to face your being with the necessity of transformation, and then all sorts of new things that you had no idea you were capable of will make themselves manifest. Those are the dragons, you know, the ones that stand in the path that leads to the light. And you have to say to yourself, I will do good nonetheless. Everyone great makes that decision. Make that decision, because maybe you're great. In his four-part series, Jordan gives sage advice for embracing and improving upon one's nature to achieve greatness. You can become a member by going to dailywireplus.com. Right now, you get 35% off your new membership. Help us build the future that you want to see. Dailywireplus.com. Check out Jordan Peterson's new show. We'll be right back with a lot more. Just when you think it is safe to go back in the water that is turning the frickin' frogs gay, you find out, no, the problems are uh, occurring here as well. I thought when I left LA, I'd leave all the crazy, radical, bizarre, sexual, consistently pedo left-wing politics behind. No, no, no more drag queen story hours and deviants twerking for five-year-olds. Well, you get to... Nashville, even Nashville. I love Nashville. I love Tennessee. I'm so glad I moved here. It's great. But these crazy radicals follow you. They're going everywhere. And they're, they're really targeting actually left-wing places. I, I just got a tip yesterday from the Nashville Pamphleteer, which is a conservative paper in Nashville. The Bellcourt Theater, which is an indie bougie film center here in Nashville, is hosting someone to kick off their, their queer cinema series. His name is Alak Vaid Manan. I don't know if that's his real name or some invented thing. He is a transvestite. He's a hulking dude who wears dresses and all sorts of crazy clothing. That's, that's not even the big problem here. The big problem is he said really disturbing things about little kids and sex. So this guy, Alak Vaid Manan, uh, has said, quote, I believe in the radical notion that little girls are complicated people. There are no fairy tales and no princesses here. Little girls are trans, queer, kinky, devious, kind, mean, beautiful, ugly, tremendous, and peculiar. Your kids aren't as straight and narrow as you think they are. Like everybody else, I've been a cute little girl. It, it just gets creepier and it just gets creepier. And then you get to that, I've been a cute little girl, this hulking, hairy dude wearing a dress, talking about how little girls, little tiny girls are actually kinky and devious, defending men going into the girls' bathrooms, saying, oh, this transgender, the, the, the fears of transgender 
politics. It's totally made up. Who, it's totally fine if grown husky men go in and go into the girls' locker room and change in front of your girls. They're not perverts. They're not, oh, by the way, little girls are kinky, according to him. Why is the Belcourt Theater in Nashville hosting a sexual deviant who describes little girls as kinky? And it's, he says little girls can be mean. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he says little girls can be tremendous. Yeah, sure. Little girls can be devious and kinky and queer, says this deviant who believes that he is a little girl. You, you hear this, by the way, from convicted pedos a lot, that these sorts of things where they'll say, no, I'm, I'm just like these little kids. I'm just like these little girls. I'm just like, it's so disturbing and this guy is being invited to host a public event at the movie. We shouldn't have that. This guy should be getting treatment for his obvious psychiatric diseases. This guy should not be allowed within 300 yards of little kids. This guy, we should not, as a society, tolerate this anywhere. And we certainly should not do that in a conservative place. Nashville itself is two to one Democrat. But the Democrats here, they're generally very nice. They're generally reasonable. It's a very, very red state here in Tennessee. We do not need to tolerate this. We can just say no. And if you are a member of the Belcourt Theater, if you live near the Belcourt Theater, I would call them and tell them to disinvite this guy. This guy should not be encouraged to, to do these sorts of things. He should be treated with the compassion he needs, which is to go get treatment and be kept away from society until he gets a little bit better. We don't, we don't need to come to, into the middle on this stuff. We don't need to reconcile. We don't need to be really nice, squishy, conciliatory Republicans and say, well, you know, look, I don't, I don't think three-year-old girls are kinky. Only eight-year-old girls are whatever. <laughs> Listen, I don't think that men should be twerking for kids at the public library. Maybe they can just shimmy and jiggle. No, there's no meeting in the middle here, man. There's no, there's no splitting the baby. It's just wrong. It's disgusting. We all know it's wrong and disgusting. We don't need to tolerate it. Keep these people out of the public and keep them away from kids, all right? It's not, it's not that complicated. And there's no First Amendment protection for this weirdo to go present Queer Cinema Month and talk about kinky little girls, okay? Don't have to do it. The wind is at our sails. The political winds are against these people and the party that welcomes them, the Democrat Party. Take the advantage. Press the advantage. Don't give an inch. Republicans are feeling emboldened right now. There was an ad that went viral yesterday. Uh, this is from a guy, Jerome Davidson, who's running for Congress in Arizona. Take a listen. Democrats like to say that no one needs an AR-15 for self-defense. That no one could possibly need all 30 rounds. But when this rifle is the only thing standing between your family and a dozen angry Democrats in Klan hoods, you just might need that semi-automatic in all 30 rounds. This is a really clever ad, and it's, it's a clever ad not just for the reasons that everyone is talking about. It's red meat. Yeah, you go get them. You go, yeah, that's right. This is, we're defending guns. We're calling Democrats racist. Yeah, baby, this is great. It's not, it's not just clever for that reason. 
Frankly, I actually think the whole Democrats are the real racists line is a little bit overused and the constant hearkening back to the antebellum South and, and referring to the Democrats as the party of the Klan. Sure, it's true. Democrats are the party of the Klan, but it, it seems a little cheap to me. And it, here's why it seems cheap to me. And it's actually why this ad is so clever. And it's why the Ku Klux Klan is a safe subject for this ad. The Ku Klux Klan doesn't exist. Practically speaking, there is no such thing as the Ku Klux Klan. There have been multiple groups in U.S. history that have called themselves the Ku Klux Klan, none of which exist today. It's gone. It's a boogeyman. It's not real. (laughs) When you fear political violence in your community or anywhere else in the country, do you think it's going to come from the Ku Klux Klan, from people wearing hoods? No, of course not. It's going to come from the left, almost certainly, but it's going to come from Antifa, or it's going to come from BLM, or it's going to come from other left. It's going to come from Ruth Sent Us, or the other anti, anti-pro-life groups, anti-pro-life, pro-abortion groups. It's going, to, it's going to come from left-wing militants, but it's, it's not the Klan. The reason this is such a clever ad is that everybody hates the Klan. The, the, it's, a, it's a totally unifying symbol. It's a symbol of an evil that isn't even real anymore. It does of a, of a boogeyman. So people can unite around that. It does draw the historical connection between the Democrat party and the Ku Klux Klan. It does point out that second amendment is not, is not some uh, buttress of white supremacy and the, and the patriarchy and the Republicans and the conservatives. No, actually vulnerable people, minority groups or uh, women who are physically more vulnerable than men, they actually benefit much more from the Second Amendment because it's an equalizer against mob, against angry mobs that might show up to your house or against people who are physically bigger and stronger than you. So it's clever for that reason. It, it's a reminder, too, of something that I've said for years. I think it's, this is the proof of something that I've said for years now, which is that today in America, our public discourse has become so shallow that the the only way we can talk about evil is as racism. Racism is the not only the, the greatest evil in the country, it's really the only evil. And so when we want to really attack, it's the worst thing you can be called in America is to be called a racist. And so whenever we want to attack someone, if you really want to hit them, you call them a racist, even when what they're doing has nothing to do with race. Republican, er, Democrats will accuse Republicans of racism for wanting to cut taxes or wanting to reform schools or wanting to save black babies. <laughs> when we overrule Roe v. Wade and we make it more diff- and pass pro-life laws and make it more difficult to have abortions, that will disproportionately save black lives. It will increase the black and Hispanic portions of the population. And somehow the libs call that racist as well. It's the only way that we can view things. And the only way that we can view the struggle between good and evil in American history is through the lens of the civil rights movement. And that has been true for a long time. Chris Caldwell wrote a a very good book to this effect a few years ago called The Age of Entitlement. After the Civil Rights Act and after the Great Society, uh, that represented not merely some new law that was being passed, but it represented a kind of revolution in America and in the way that we think of ourselves. And so what's so brilliant about this ad is that Jerome Davidson is plugging into that. He's saying, look, this is what is going to resonate. This is how Americans view themselves. So I am going to put myself there. It's the same reason that candidates wave flags, wave the flag, wrap yourself in the flag is because we know that those symbols resonate with people. And in America today, for everybody, the Ku Klux Klan is 
one of, one of, if not the highest representations of evil. Racism is evil. The two are synonymous. And civil rights is the struggle. It is the struggle for, for liberation. Now, speaking of civil rights, everyone's trying to apply the black civil rights movement to their own groups. This was a strategy uh, undertaken by the left during the 1970s. They saw how effective civil rights was for black people. They said, okay, we're going to use this for Hispanic people. We're going to use this for Asian people. We're going to use this for women, second wave feminism. It never made any sense because black people actually are a unique circumstance in America. The fact that lots and lots of black people, the majority of black people who are in America have some descent from slavery and that their ancestors were brought over in chains is different than any other group. Hispanics can claim oppression. The Italians and the Irish, I guess, can claim oppression. The Asians can claim oppression. But those groups chose to come to America. And for black people, it's different. So it gives black people an I mean, obviously, there are black immigrants from Africa who came after slavery. But for black people as a group, that creates a unique historical circumstance. And groups like the Ford Foundation and other left-wing institutions decided that they were going to blur those distinctions and try to apply the, the ethos of civil rights to all of these other groups. And it worked pretty well. Now, even to the point that we're talking about the civil rights against oppression for homosexuals or transgender, as though it's the same thing as breaking free from chattel slavery and Jim Crow. It's the same thing now as breaking free from your bounds of biology and, and uh, dresses and stiletto heels. So BuzzFeed, you, you, you understand that the Ellen Page saga that has dominated our public discourse for the past few days, the idea that Ellen Page, this actress, now goes by the name Elliot and doesn't want to be called Ellen anymore. This created a big stir on Twitter because now if you sit, call Ellen Page Ellen, you can be booted off. It happened to Jordan Peterson. It happened to Dave Rubin for even reporting on Jordan Peterson. Well, BuzzFeed then came back and said, wait, wait a second, Twitter. You violated your own rules against hate speech because in your trending topics bar, you used the phrase Helen, Helen, Ellen Page. Because people were talking about Ellen Page, Ellen Page trended. But according to your own rules, Ellen Page can't trend because that name, this actress's name is hate speech because the actress doesn't want to go by Ellen anymore. And then do you know what Twitter did? Because we're living all the way through the looking glass in clown world. Twitter apologized and said, you're right. We can't, we can't allow a woman's name to trend. That woman's name is hate speech. What does this represent? If Ellen Page tomorrow came out and said, hey, I'm Ellen again. Do you know what, you know what's so crazy? They would have to get rid of Elliot because Elliot would then become her dead name. They call it a dead name when a person decides to pretend to be a member of the opposite sex and change his name. And then the name that that person had gone by for his entire life goes away and you're not allowed to even utter it anymore. That's that's pretty crazy, right? Especially because they could change the name back and then it's the other one that goes away. What this represents is something much bigger than transgenderism or even sexual politics. It represents the left's broader rejection of the past. Everything that came before is evil and awful and oppressive. We need to liberate ourselves from the past. Past is always evil. The present is always a crisis and the future is always going to be a utopia just so long as you give us a little bit more power. That's the pitch that the left makes. And you see it so clearly in the, the idea of dead naming. Even one's own personal past, even one's own past identity can no longer be 
acknowledged. It's not just tearing down statues of old dead people. It's not just even rewriting the history books. It's your own past that now has to be completely denied in what is a a kind of pseudo-religious sacrament. In Christianity, you have baptism where the old the old man is washed away and you, and you now put on the garment of Christ and you have a new life in Christ. Well, that's what you have in a perverse way, in a sacrilegious way, through the transgender coming out. You cast off your old name. You cast off your old identity and that is dead now. And now you have this new identity in sexual delusion. It runs really, really deep. It touches on all of the bizarre, perverse eccentricities of leftism. It goes a lot deeper than just some actress. It's really weird. I think it's turning a lot of people off. I think people are waking up to how bizarre, not just this weird sexual ideology is, but the entire leftist agenda. The wind is at our sails. I hope that Ellen and Elliot and all the pages and all this weird and the Belcourt Theater and all this craziness, I hope it continues to trend all the way to November. Press the advantage. The wind is at our sails. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, Democrats begin openly talking about dumping Joe Biden in favor of other candidates. The media are out to police misinformation while still purveying it. And we meet some new, fresh Democratic faces making waves. That's today on the Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen. 